0: On the field, inside the clubhouse, and everything in between, this is Brewers Weekly.
1: Here's Dominic Catronio. Winner, winner, chicken dinner once again, recapping a victorious Thursday here on Brewers Weekly. I'm Dom Catronio. Fun road trip, 5-1 the trip. They win the series against the Phillies, winning today's rubber game. A shutout, mind you, as well. Corbin Burns had himself a day. We're going to talk about him in this first segment. Highlights coming up in the second segment, too. We're also going to talk a little bit about the DH situation. Got a million injury updates for you, too, and a little bit about, you know, all the Otani talk and what would you do sort of thing, and we'll finally wrap things up looking ahead to the weekend with the Braves, and this is going to be a big weekend, but if you want to join in on the program, 855-616-1620. Once again, 855-616-1620. You can call, you can text, and you can tweet me as well at dom underscore Catronio. I've got tweet deck up right now too. So let's just jump into it, shall we? Some of the good of today's win for the Brew Crew again, a 4-0 victory. Corbin Burns completes eight innings for the third time this year. Eight shutout innings, mind you. Just one walk, one hit batter, and 10 strikeouts. It was all about the curveball today. The curveball was fantastic. Of the 10 strikeouts, 8 of them were on the curve. That's a new career high for him in a single game on curveball for strikeouts. He had a whiff percentage on his curveball. 9 whiffs on 13 total swings against the curve. Percentage numbers, 69%. Pause for dramatic effect. The Great thing about Corbin today, and he said post game talking to Kurt Hogan, of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, when the curveball is that effective, it opens up the cutter. And when the curveball is effective in the way it was in that it was all chases, right? Teams would then recognize, you know, you, you would think he, his next start is going to be against the Reds again. Be Three of his last four starts against the Reds. But he's done it a couple different ways against them. He did it with the cutter the first time. He did it with the curveball the second time. So, what's he going to do the third time? Does he mix both in? And after they have this on tape saying, oh my gosh, his curveball looks just as nasty as it did against us, we got to lay off that pitch. Well, he's got the ability to drop that in for a strike. Oh, and then he's also got the ability to throw a really good changeup. Oh, and he's got the ability to throw a slider. Oh, and by the way, the cutter is still one of the nastiest pitches in baseball. This is the Corbin Burns version that we saw in 2021, where every pitch is effective, there is no weakness. The curveball was the pitch. And the other thing that I think we've been frustrated with about Corbin in earlier in the season, or maybe even toward the end of last season, is that Corbin will shift off of a pitch, sometimes inexplicably. And he will make adjustments a second time through in order without the offense adjusting to him. Sometimes, I'm not saying all the time. But today was an example to the Phillies, a good hitting team saying, here's my curveball, hit it. I dare you. They couldn't. And kudos to Corbin to keep throwing it. He dared them to hit it, and they couldn't do it. And when you're on like that, when you have a pitch working that effectively, keep throwing it, man. Make the offense adjust to you. Don't give them a gift by getting off of the pitch that you've been so effective with. And sometimes Corbin gets a little too cute in that regard. He did not today. He was awesome. I loved what we saw from Corbin Burns with his repertoire, with his sequencing. He mentioned that as well after the game, too, of just that when you're getting ahead, when you're getting downhill, great stat here, too. Of the 10 strikeouts, nine of them were on four pitches or less. Whoa. Think about that for a second. Nine of his 10 strikeouts were on four pitches or less. He threw 100 pitches on the dot today. And sometimes you think, oh man, 10 strikeouts, that's a lot of pitches. Like we've seen that with Freddie. Freddie will throw a lot of pitches to get strikeouts. He'll average five, six, seven pitches per strikeout. And when you've got no more than 36 pitches for nine outs, I mean, let's just say it's a 1-1 count and they ground out. That's a great at-bat. The fact you're getting strikeouts in that regard, the ball's not even getting in play That is ace-like behavior. Ridiculous stuff today from Corbin Burns. In his last two starts, 14 straight shutout innings. He's got 23 strikeouts. Sound familiar? Yeah, it sounds like 2021 Corbin Burns. And I said it on the post-game show on Tuesday. I'm going to reiterate it again. It has now been four straight phenomenal starts for Corbin Burns since he had that lunch with Matt Arnold. Saying you are not going to be traded at the deadline. Four straight phenomenal starts. His best starts of the year. Each one has been just as good as the last. There's some psyche there. There's some good news there. And I wonder if it's going to carry. And furthermore, you gotta think. I was I had this, you know, uneasy thought earlier today. I'm like, man, this feels so similar to last year. It feels so similar team comes out of the break hot a couple of fun games now they're coming home things are looking good like remember this this is kind of like i mean it's a it's like a week early on the timeline but like remember the brewers had the, that crazy series coming out of the break against the rockies the walk off uh from urias uh and then they had the great series in boston right they they took the series in boston they're in first place they're on fire Everything's looking up, everything's turning up roses, and then they trade Hater on the off day. So, I had this on, he's like, oh God, are they going to do it? No, they're not. They're not. I believe Matt Arnold has earned the benefit of the doubt. Now, he can certainly change that <laughs> within the next couple of days. But, this team's going to add. They have to add. And with Brandon Woodruff being on the way back like he is, has more reason to get excited it, it, this team has to add. We'll get into that a little bit later, but a little more about today as well. Christian Yelich continues to be back, a triple shy of the cycle for the 12th time in his career. Pretty funny. Uh, Yelly, three run bomb, also a double, also a single, hitting 287 now on the season. It was home run number 14. Did his job. That was awesome. William Contreras got a knock. He came back down to Earth a little but He had an RBI single late in the game, too, for some insurance runs. Andre Monasterio. Uh very quietly, Andrew Monasterio is hitting 303, guys. You catch that? 86 plate appearances, so still a very small sample size. He's hitting 303. Very quietly, he's been a very good, above average player offensively. He's not going to hit for power. He's got one homer. He hit one to center in, C- in Cincinnati in his first series. But puts the ball in play, plays hard, plays serviceable defense. I don't know how long Brian Anderson's going to be out. We'll have the injury update coming up a little bit later in the program. But he quietly had a very good weekend road trip. Then uh, the Brewers got their young wonderkind up there again in Abner Uribe. What'd he do? Face four batters. He walked the leadoff guy. Oh, no. What's he do to respond? Strike out the next three. including Harper again. My goodness. 102 today again. Ridiculous stuff from Abner Uribe. Now the scoreless streak for the bullpen is at 20 and two-thirds straight innings. And during these 20 and two-thirds straight scoreless innings, 33 strikeouts, three walks. I'm going to say that one more time. 22 and two-thirds innings from the bullpen going back to Sunday before the All-Star break against the Reds. 20 and two-thirds. Thirty-three strikeouts. Three walks. That's my favorite part about this bullpen. They don't walk anybody. And you didn't even need to use your A bullpen today. You get to save them a day. And maybe it's going to come in handy this weekend against the Braves. Because this is a really darn good team coming into town. A lot to like from today's game. We're going to relive it up next. Talk a little bit more about the offense and Yelly. Get some highlights into you as well. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. We're with you until the top of the hour tonight, 9 o'clock, right here on your Home of the Brewers, WTMJ. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Winner, winner. Brewers get the series win. They are now unbeaten in their last seven Series six zero oh, and one, really fun stuff right now from the crew. It's ridiculous stuff, quite frankly, to be on this stretch. And I want to remind you before we get into the highlights from today's game. Remember when they hit rock bottom? Remember they got swept by the A's and lost two games against Twins? We talked about it in the last week's show. They're twenty and nine since then. Twenty and nine since being five hundred. You know how we talk about there's a lot of season and you can't overreact to a bad week. They've now followed that up with four straight great weeks. So, again, it's not over. You're still a little more than 60 games left in the game. We're 97 games into this season. So, math quickly in my head, 65 left. I swear I work with numbers on a daily basis. 65 games left. You are in first place. In the Central. You are clearly, clearly the best performing team in the Central. I'm not going to say on paper, because there have been some underperformances. and We're going to talk about one of those coming up a little bit later. But you look at what the Brewers have done with their pitching. Just imagine a little more offense, right? Just a little bit more. What they can do at the deadline... And how much easier things could be, and how many more games they maybe would have won in those 29 games. They had a little more offense. That's getting picky. I'm not going to complain about a 20 9 record, but a reminder the Brewers scored four runs again today. The record is now 45 and 9. 45 and 9 when they score four runs. That means 45 of the 54 wins. There are only nine wins this year where they don't score at least four runs. Nine. That is all you need to do. Get to four, just like twenty twenty one. Get to four; you're probably going to win it. So add some offense to do so. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But what about the offense today? It was all really from one guy, and it was all on one swing. He had a plan today, and he got after it quickly. Christian Yelich was in an ambush mode today, and here he got Taiwan Walker in his third at bat of the day.
0: The first pitch high fly ball deep to right field castellanos going back onto the track he'll watch this one go way up and gone three run home run christian yelich into the seats in right third home run of the road trip for yelich and boy was that a big early swing for corbin burns and the brewers Yelich's 14th of the year makes it three nothing in the third inning
1: it was his second at-bat, beg your pardon. Josh Mowers. call here on WTMJ. So y- y- you get Corbin Burns, who, by the way, was 9-up and 9-down perfect the first time through the order, giving him a 3 nothing lead, pitching downhill. Ho, 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 ho. I was looking my chops after this one. That was a great swing from Yelly once again. In the fourth inning, Burns allowed his first base runner. It was a walk to Kyle Schwarber and uh, quickly erased him with the speedy Trey Turner at the plate. And the pitch.
0: Ground ball up the middle towards second. Played by Terang. Tags second for one. Throws to first for two. A double play. Right at Bryce Terang, who was up the middle anyway. Then he was able to easily turn it unassisted. Just like that, base runner erased.
1: Two outs. And there had still been no hits to that point. Cassidy Allis would hit a single the other way, so quickly uh, erase that thought of what's going to happen with a no-no or perfecto or something like that happening. Wasn't going to be the case today, but another great start from Corbin. And he would start rolling from there, no really stress at all. It took until the sixth inning for there to be in that bat with a runner in scoring position for the Phillies, too. They went over three or thrunners in scoring position. The Brewers, they cashed in on their few opportunities. They didn't get a lot of traffic on the bases today. Taiwan Walker pitched pretty well, aside from the mistake he made to Christian Yelich and the double to Andrew Monasterio. Uh, William Contreras helped out against the bullpen of the Phillies.
0: Another row 2 Hard ground ball left side. Base hit. past the dive of Boehm. Around third, Monasterio. He will score without a throw, and William Contreras delivers again.
1: That was significant because it finally made it. Not a save situation. It meant you didn't need to use your A bullpen in this one if you kept up the pace, if you kept Corbin Burns pitching as well as he was pitching. Remember that stat we talked about in Wednesday, or, uh, in Wednesday's postgame show? Well, that streak is over. 17 consecutive games. That was decided by either a save, extra innings, or a walk-off. 17 in a row. It's still 19 of their last 22. So I would love a little bit more extended of a break for this A bullpen unit, if you can. Nonetheless, I'm not going to complain anytime I get to watch Abner Uribe pitch against the meat of the Phillies' order. Here's how tonight ended. The 2-2 pitch.
0: Swing and a miss! He struck him out! Slider down and away. Boehm strikes out. Uribe with three strikeouts in his scoreless ninth. And the Brewers shut out the Phillies.
1: A... MLB leading 11th shutout this season. Great stuff again from the crew. Fun times indeed. Happy flight home. Big series coming with the Atlanta Braves. I've got a hefty injury update segment coming up next. A little bit later we'll talk DH, and a little bit later we will talk Otani, of course. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620 if you want to join the program. I'm not going to lie. I've got one eye on the uh, the Open Championship these days, uh, out at uh, Hoylake at Royal Liverpool. So uh, really, really enjoying that so far. But nonetheless, we got some more baseball to talk about. That's up next on Brewers Weekly. It's Brewers Weekly on WGMJ. I got to say, our uh, producer Matt Sossler. He's always paying attention to the segments of coming and. Making sure you get the uh, the DJs and the ones and twos. I call it the ones and twos, as I thank my producers usually. So it's you know a little DJ nod. So tip the cap to you, Matt. So you can open up your mic. You can say something. Oh, yeah. Appreciate it. Oh, oh, you always have to be paying attention. You always got to be aware. It's yeah. always about focusing on the next. Just stay, keep your head on a swivel, kid. You know, and uh, foul ball. Um, <laughs> let's get to this injury report. A lot going on. Need a doctor for sure. The. News heading into the Philly series was all about Rowdy Tellez and the fractured ring finger slash torn nail bed and 17 stitches freak accident shagging batting practice in Cincinnati. So he's not back till mid-August, as things look right now, till well after the trade deadline. He's out of the picture right now for a little while. The other thing we found out heading into that Philly series, which is another reason Another reminder of how impressive the Brewers performed with the adversity that they faced, right? Having to expect Rowdy to let come back, he's not coming back. And then also have Wade Miley go down injured. Wade Miley revealed he's got elbow soreness stemming from bone spurs he's had in his elbow for a little while now that he's been dealing with on and off for years. And the Brewers expect this to be a minimum stay. Yeah, I know I'm, I can literally hear you rolling your eyes at me right now. We have heard this story before. Expect to be minimum stay. Uh, it's going to be a month. So I understand the fear with that. But if, it, if they think a little two-week break, skip his spot twice, they currently have the personnel to do it, right? They've got a couple of off days coming up too, right? Uh, they had the off day on Monday. They've got an off day coming next Thursday. And, and then they'll be on the grind a little bit for 13 in a row, but then off day on a Thursday the 10th, off day on Monday the 14th, off day on the 21st, off day on the 24th. So they're in a good spot here the next four or five times through the rotation to really absorb it, to stay at a five-man rotation. So I'm not super worried about that whenever Wade Miley does fold himself back into things in the future. But he's going to be out probably two times through this rotation. The good news of all of this is that Brandon Woodruff is on his way to a rehab assignment. He's with the team. He's going to be heading up to Appleton on Saturday. He'll be pitching the first of probably three to four, maybe five rehab starts. The Brews are expecting him back in early August. He's been itching at the bit, and if you know Woody and if you've talked to him before, you understand that dude loves, loves to compete. If it's fishing, if it's golfing... If it's Papa shot in the clubhouse, the dude just wants to compete. And the fact that he can't do what he do, what he does best, and that's pitch, he is really excited to get back after it up in Appleton. And I don't know if they're going to send him you know, maybe one or two starts in Appleton and then on to Biloxi or on to Nashville or something like that. But I know they want him to be able to do a game on Saturday, come back home, maybe do another game next week in, in something of that regard. But uh, that's the good news when it comes to the injury update with those guys. Let's talk about a few guys that maybe uh we don't know about. Like, for one, Brian Anderson. We'll probably learn more tomorrow when we ch- uh, chat with Craig Council and we chat with B.A. back here in Milwaukee, how he's feeling, what's going on with the back. He feels this does not feel similar than what his lower back strain was last June with the Marlins. That's good news, but it's the second time with a back that's popping up for him in the less than a calendar year, and he just had a baby, and got to wonder about the sleep schedule and all that fun stuff. But uh, they're hoping it's minimum. The way he injured it was slipping his foot while fielding a ground ball; it just slipped out from underneath him, tweaked his back, and he's like, "Oh no, what what just happened?" So they're hoping minimum. We'll find out more here probably tomorrow how he's responding to treatment since he was placed on the injured list uh, during the Reds series. Uh, Another update that we got during this stretch, Aaron Ashby is on a throwing program right now. And in fact, the Brewers had said, and we'll we'll maybe find this out tomorrow as well, that Ashby is going to be with the team on this homestand coming back from the All-Star break, being around the team, getting a little camaraderie going, getting some positive vibes for Ashby as his rehab really starts to ramp up. And... We'll learn more about his rehab. And the Brewers seem to think, and he's going to be ramped up as a bullpen guy. remember he had arthroscopic shoulder surgery uh, right out of spring training because they tried to shut him down from a camp and try to throw and didn't work out. He had to get shut down again, and they decided to clean it up. And he already feels a lot better that the throwing has gone symptom-free. So we will check in with him tomorrow to see what's going on with Aaron Ashby. But we expect to see him around this weekend when the Braves are in town. Good news there. Another lefty that they're expecting in the bullpen at some point, Justin Wilson. We've talked about him coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's still a few outings away, according to Craig Council, who's currently on rehab down in AAA in Nashville, that they want to see him get fatigued. They want to see wear him out a little bit and then see how his arm responds after the UCL reconstruction. The Brewers would love to have another lefty to make things a little bit easier on Hobie Milner as things move forward, but... If you have Wilson and Ashby to choose from, those are two great picks. The other catch to that, though, is they're both on the 60-day IL, which means they're not currently on the 40-man. There will need to be a corresponding move in order to get those guys activated. Now, Ashby is not in- imminent. It's not happening until you know September. Wilson might happen by the end of the month. So who knows how quickly that could turn around from him. Two other light updates that we don't know as much about. Garrett Mitchell, he hasn't resumed, has not resumed baseball activity yet. The Brewers have not ruled out, something that we talked about here on Brewers Weekly a few weeks ago, the Brewers have not ruled out him being a pinch runner at the end of the season or the postseason. So that's great news. He's probably not going to hit. He's not officially out for the year, but he's probably out for the year offensively. He could come in as a Terrence Gore type, you know, just come in to run in the in the postseason. Everybody needs that guy in the postseason. So Garrett Mitchell could be that option. And finally, one last name you need to remember. And that'll lead me perfectly into my next segment talking about Keston Hira and Jesse Winker in first base and DHing. Darren Ruff. Darren Ruff with his patella fracture and lacerated knee. Remember from the TARP incident in late May in uh, Cincinnati? He has not been ruled out for the year. And that might be a key to this Keston Hero puzzle. They may know something we don't know about Darren Ruff, and I'm going to ask tomorrow about his status, if he's rehabbing, how he's feeling, things like that. But Darren Ruff's another piece of this first base picture that might be back by the end of the year. And remember, he was swinging the bat well when he went down. It was a poorly timed injury for the crew, given what they were needing out of uh, first base and out of production against left-handed starters. So that's just a quick little injury update. A reminder on the 40-man being currently full, if you're on the 60-day IL, you're off the 40-man. But the 15-day IL, you're on the 40-man. You can move a guy from the 15-day IL to the 60-day IL, and really the only candidate for that right now would be like Bennett Sousa. I haven't heard anything about Bennett with his nerve irritation. That would be a candidate. And then you would you have one option remaining for Colin Ray, where he would remain on the forty man, but head down to AAA and be off the active twenty six. You cannot option Julio Tehran. You would have to cut him, and you have no options remaining for J C Mejia. You could obviously option Abner Uribe, but if he's effective, why option him? These are some of the roster crunchings we're going to be monitoring around the trade deadline. If the Brewers aren't trading big leaguers, so there's stuff to happen there. All right, up next, we're going to have an honest conversation about Keston Hira and Jesse Winker, talk some numbers, talk about what's going on with those guys, and try to figure out what's going on with the Brewer's decision to keep Winker and to have Hira down in AAA. That's coming up next on Brewer's Weekly. This is Brewer's Weekly on WTMJ. Welcome back, Dom Catronio. We're with you for another 20 minutes or so. All right, we're going to have the conversation right now. Uh, Twitter is a mess talking about anything you say about Jesse Winker is like feeding the piranhas. They just go nuts. cut <laughs> him. And you say anything about Kessinger, like bring him up, bring him up, bring him up. What are we doing? Oh my God. It's a mess. Twitter's a mess for reasons other than the guy running it. But the, the point let, let's, let's just start with some hard data. It's not been pretty for Jesse Winker. It is not. Only played in one game this week against the Phillies. It's been his worst year of his career by far. 196 batting average, a 247 slugging. 247 slugging percentage from the designated hitter. That's not breaking news. He knows it. You know it. It's not a good number, it's a really bad number. Draws his walk still. Doesn't strike out as much as you think he strikes out. It's still more than he's used to. It's his highest strikeout rate in his career, 25%. And will be average 22%. So that's higher than normal. His career strikeout rate is normally around 17%. So this is certainly an oddity for him right now of how much he has struggled with the strikeout. And I think the, the big thing, again, going back to the slugging percentage, just one home run this year. He was brought here to hit, and he hasn't hit. Okay, so let's talk about Keston Hira over in AAA. Keston's having a good game tonight, by the way. Just drove in two on a single for the Nashville Sounds, and Sal Freelich's having a great night, too. He's got a homer and a double. Looking at the numbers for Hira in AAA coming into tonight, hitting 319 in AAA, I beg your pardon, hitting 314 in AAA with a 400 on base, a 572 slug, and a 972 OPS. And you're thinking, Tom, it's what he's supposed to do. It's AAA pitching. He's been in the big leagues. And you're right. You're absolutely right. It's what he's done every time he's gone down in AAA. And I just want to go back to last season, right? He's out of options and he cleared waivers. He's not going to clear waivers again. The way it works is, now that he is out of options, any team has a crack on him if he cut him. He can go and be a free agent. Last year, in his last option year, the Brewers brought him up and down three times. Broke camp with the Brewers. He hit 216 over that first stretch into May. Only a 378 slugging. The big problem was the strikeouts. He struck out nearly half of his plate appearances. 48% strikeout rate. Not great. Gets sent down for a little more than two weeks. Comes right back up. Hits the walk-off homer against the Braves off Jesse Chavez off the uh, batter's eye. That was an awesome moment. In that second stint in the big leagues, the batting average went up. And the strikeouts went down. And the slugging went up. 247 average, 42 slugging, 42% strikeout rate. Not great. Still not a very good strikeout rate. But he did his job and he still got sent back down heading into the all-star break. He came back up in August, finished the year, hit 214, with a four forty six slugging for that final stint, and the strikeout rate went all the way down to 39% for that stint. Okay, so that's not total for the year. He still struck out more than 40% of the time in the big leagues. He has made another adjustment to his batting stance. He is not really lifting the foot. He's trusting his strength. He's getting the ball airborne, and he has been really, really darn good in AAA like he's supposed to be. The way I see it is two things. The Brewers are looking for help at first base on the market. Whether it's CJ Krohn or they're swinging for the fences with Cody Bellinger. Could you imagine the resurgence of both Belly and Yelly in the same year and the same team for the last two months of the season? Ooh, that would be awesome. So that plays into it of why they haven't made a decision on first base behind Roddy less. Owen Miller's going to play a lot of first base and you know, when they didn't call up Keston Hero when they were in Louisville and the Brewers were in Cincinnati, that told me they're not calling him up before the trade deadline. They're just not going to do it because they are looking for first base help. And mind you, even when Rowdy comes back, he hadn't hit a homer in a month and a half. His weighted runs created plus since June 1st was atrocious. It's one of those things that the Brewers, even when Rowdy comes back, they would like to have an upgrade. It kind of feels like, remember, when the Brewers first got Rowdy in 2021, It was trying to improve what was going on at first base with Dan Vogelback And Travis Shaw was hurt at the time. Didn't, they had a revolving door with Keston and Vogelback and, and others at first base. So it could end up Rowdy getting Rowdyed, where Rowdy came in as a replacement for injury and stuck around. And now they're looking around To see if they can get some help at first base. So if you make a trade. And you've called up Keston Hero. Where's his playing time going to go? Right? And and a lot of folks were complaining today. About the not many at bats. At DH line. That Craig Council said. When asked point blank in Kurt Hove's story. In the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Why isn't he up as a DH at least? There's not that many at bats at DH. And he's not wrong. I know they had three different DHs. This series against the Phillies. But. Think about it. William Contreras is going to DH against, or William Contreras is going to DH when Corbin Burns is on the mound because Victor Caratini is catching him. Furthermore, William Contreras is either going to catch or DH when a lefty is on the mound, which means with a lefty on the mound, Jesse Winker ain't going to be DHing. And then, lastly, let's say it's a day game after a night game, and Caratini needs to get a day, and he's not catching Burns, and he's catching like Adrian Hauser. Maybe in, in Contreras-Assad, maybe Contreras is going to DH that day too. There really aren't that many at-bats at DH right now. It would have to be first base. When it comes to Winker, and this will be my last point on this before we have to move on. The job of DH is to hit. He knows that, you know that, the Brewers know that. If he doesn't hit in these next two weeks heading into the trade deadline... I don't see how the Brewers can keep him around in August. I just don't. I'd never, ever call for somebody's job on this show. I will not do it. But at some point, rubber meets the road. Dude, you're the designated hitter. Got to hit. And let's also be honest, too. If this is a money thing, which I don't think it is, that's tough. The fact that he's owed $8.2 million this year, which... Shouldn't be a significant number, but if it is, that's a tough scene. I don't think it is, but the Brewers are now past the halfway point. They have paid him the majority of the salary, so the time is coming. And not a single at-bat is going to keep him around longer than you expect, but it needs to happen soon, and the Brewers are certainly looking over these next two weeks to figure out how they can add offense to this team. And we're going to have some fun in the next segment, talking about another DH Shohei Otani. <laughs> let's just have some fun. Okay? I, I don't think Keston's going to be up before the trade deadline, so let's get that thought out of our minds. Let's see what the Brewers do coming up here at the break and at the uh, or at the uh, the deadline. If they add something, cool. If not, they've got Keston here waiting in the wings, and that could be the move they make. I don't think it's going to be the only move they make, but something's coming, and uh, this team's got some really good vibes going right now. So, Let's, uh, let's just play a hypothetical. Let's turn it back to 2008, and let's act like Shohei Otani is CC Sabathia. More to come on Brewers Weekly. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. I still got one more break to squeeze in here in the final 10 minutes, so this Otani segment's going to be short, but let's just uh, let's be real for a second, guys. Shohei Otani's probably not going to be a brewer. I'm like 99.5 percent certain. Well, where would you even begin, right? There's three untouchables. Jackson Trurio, Jacob Bizarowski, and Jefferson Caro are my untouchables. Okay, those three guys are not on the table. Everyone else is on the table if you're going to make a trade. And the theory is the Angels want big league-ready players, you know, guys that are knocking on the door, you know, that would probably take a Sal Freelick. that would probably take a... A Bryce Terang, it would take a, something like that, you know? And it would it would be sad to lose somebody talented like that, like a Terang or a, a Sal, that you know their talent is great, but it's Shohei Otani. And I don't envy... I was talking to my dad about this, actually. I don't envy the Angels at all, because they're truly in a lose-lose situation right now. If they trade Shohei Otani, the reaction is, how could you... He's got a chance to break Judge's record from a year ago of 63 homers. He's the greatest player we've ever seen, and the curse of the Bambino will now be the the curse of Otani onto the Angels for 86 years. It's fitting because I was just at the Babe Ruth Museum on Tuesday out in Baltimore. I really enjoyed it. If you're in Baltimore, check it out. Birthplace and museum. uh, Pretty cool. It's not must-see. Take about an hour. Good times. 13 bucks. Good times. The Babe Ruth of our time could be traded. And when he's traded, it's like, oh my God, how could he do it? Furthermore, the from a baseball sense, there's nothing, nothing's going to be good enough. There is no prospect, there is no player that is going to be considered enough for two months of Shohei Otani. It's just impossible. Unless you're sending like ten guys, sure, but no one's going to do that. Now with the, the smaller minor league rosters and too fewer affiliates than there were years ago, minor league team, minor league systems aren't as deep as they once were just because of those affiliate losses. And that's part of the reason why there's only 20 rounds in the draft now. So that's another factor. Like, there's nothing you can do to get enough back ever for Shohei Otani. Then on the flip side of that coin, this is why it's a lose-lose. You got to trade him. You kidding me? You're not going to compete next year. You know, the West is getting better. You're not. What's going on with Anthony Rendon? What if Mike Trout wants out? You still don't have any pitching. You still don't have a shortstop. You still don't have a catcher. Well, Ohoppy's going to be pretty good, but he's got a torn labrum. He's out. What's going on with Taylor Ward? What's going on with it? They just DFA'd Fletcher. Like, they're still not that good. So the thought is you have to trade him to get something back. You've got to reinvigorate this this farm somehow and it starts with a trade of the most popular best player in this era but could you imagine him on the Brewers that short ports in right field bombs to center field we already saw one Otani bomb this year remember in May when the Angels were here or April it was the longest or second longest hang time of a home run in baseball this season 7.4 seconds or something like that I remember just a towering shot thought it was going to hit the roof it was a shot from Otani off of Colin Ray God, that would be so much fun 2008 CC Spathia we'll talk about it next week's Brewers Weekly I, I would love to get some input because I obviously wasn't living in Milwaukee in 2008 I was uh, 14 years old um, I was living in Arizona solved trade everything crazy looked fun here I would love some memories and learn about what went down with that and how much fun would it be we don't know Craig Council's future but a send off because he is in his final year of his current contract If this is it for him and he retires and he just wants to watch his sons play baseball and his daughter go to high school, what a send-off to have the final two months of his managerial career with Shohei Otani. God, that would be awesome. It's probably not going to happen, guys, but we can dream. We can have some fun. All right, let's uh, get you the schedule, get you ready for the Braves. Wrap up the program up next on Brewers Weekly. All right, final minute or so of the show. Just want to give you the schedule of events. The Braves are really darn good, but they just lost a series against the Diamondbacks. They have lost five of their last six games. Three games against them. You can hear all three of them right here on WTMJ. On Friday night, it is a normal 7-10 first pitch. Coverage will start at 6. Greg Maksic has got Brewers warm up after Wisconsin's afternoon news. Saturday's the weird one. Saturday is going to start at 6.10, but it's on Fox, a national exclusive, so you can watch it on Fox, Adam Amin, AJ Prezinski in town to call that one. Uh, we will still have it for you on WTMJ. I've got the warm-up show starting at 5 o'clock, taking all the way up to network pregame at 5.40, and then on Sunday we are at one ten. coverage beginning at noon. Again, yours truly, I've got Brewers warm-up. Uh, tomorrow, Adrian Hauser will get the ball. Hauser uh, will be going up against Mike Soroka. He is back from his Achilles tear. Uh, excuse me, not Adrian Hauser. Freddy Peralta goes tomorrow. I got my days mixed up. Freddy tomorrow against Soroka. 7-10 first pitch. And I've got post game for you as well. My thanks to Matt Sossler, I'm producer. I'm Dom Catronio. Keep on swinging.